Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've, you've long before you drew Anne into this teaching, you drew her into the joy and the work of prayer and that you have grown her up as an intercessor in your kingdom through experience. And so, Lord, I pray that now as she teaches us that you would bring together that experience and this teaching that comes out of your word and out of the life that you modeled for us, Jesus. And I pray that you would empower her so that she would be able to speak clearly and communicate in such a way that we would be able to hear from you and that we would grow as a praying church and as praying people through this time that we spend together. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning to learn more about how we go about praying for the church. And I want to begin by giving a definition of intercessory prayer um, that I get from Andrew Murray in his book, Teach Me to Pray, an author I've really appreciated in learning more about intercession. Um, And before I give that definition, the outline for the talk and some of the points are borrowed from Mary Ellen Connors and Marianne Volkel. Uh, both of them are faithful intercessors um, with PRMI and InterVarsity, and I've learned a lot through them. And so I asked them to share some resources, and uh, some of the parts of this talk came from them. But Andrew Murray defines intercessory prayer as the royal power a child of God exercises in heaven on behalf of others and the kingdom. So again, the royal power a child of God exercises in heaven on behalf of others and the kingdom, and that's the kingdom of God. And I'm going to read from Exodus 17, verses 8 to 13, which is an example of that power at work. And this is shortly after the Israelites have left Egypt. And Moses is leading them through the desert. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. And that last verse, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword is what was seen in the physical realm. And that you could just as truly say that Moses overcame the Amalekite army through prayer as he raised his hands and the Lord worked in the physical what Moses was accomplishing in the spiritual. And that's what intercessory prayer is all about, that God is working out in the physical what he is, we're doing in prayer in the spiritual Every one of us here is a child 
of God, and as a child of God, every one of us is called into the ministry of intercessory prayer. No child is excluded from the invitation of joining our Heavenly Father in his work in this world. We've talked about developing a prayer shield, and this talk in talking about a prayer shield, I appreciated your prayer, Evan, during our congregational prayer about moving forward, advancing against darkness. I think often if we think of a shield, we can think of a group kind of cowering behind, fearful, bruised, you know, protect us, protect us, protect us. And yet when we're talking about a prayer shield or prayer ministry and intercessory prayer in the church, we're not a cowering group behind shields. Our shields are out front, but so are our swords, and we're marching forward, advancing God's kingdom against the kingdom of the enemy. And as the light goes forward, the darkness is going to flee. We pray from a posture of victory. It's this another image, along with the army image, is like sitting on our Heavenly Father's lap. He is the creator and sustainer of the universe, all-powerful, almighty. And yet we can sit on his lap, listen to him, talk to him, hear from him. And through us, he will bring his light and his love into the world's darkness. And the gates of hell, as I said, won't stand against it. So in prayer, we begin that we are children, dearly loved children of our Heavenly Father. And this intimacy is the starting place of intercession. And some of you here might not feel very intimate with God. Don't let a lack of a sense of intimacy keep you from intercession. In fact, a lack of of intimacy is all the more reason to start interceding. Because as we intercede, we will get to know our Father's heart more and more. A big part of my journey in learning about intercession happened when I was a freshman at Western Michigan University, and I was part of the InterVarsity group. InterVarsity would have regular prayer meetings on campus at noon every day, And I came not because I felt any great call for God to move on the campus, but because I was invited and my friends were going, and as part of the group, I thought I should go. We'd sit down in a circle, and whoever was leading would usually have either the Kalamazoo Gazette or a campus newspaper or maybe a sheet of another campus movement somewhere in the world that we'd be praying for that day. We might share some personal prayer requests. We'd sit down together begin with a psalm or some, maybe sing a hymn, move into prayer, and we'd pray for these situations or these people, most of whom I didn't know, most of whom I cared about only because I knew I was supposed to care about. But as we would pray, I realized that my heart was growing, and I began to care, and that as I would pray for these situations and pray for these people, suddenly I loved them in a way that I hadn't cared at all about them before. I knew I should love them, but it was my heart joining with God's heart, and as I prayed and I experienced God's love for these people, I got closer to God because I could experience his sorrow and his joy and his desire to bring about change. And when we come in intimacy to our good Father in heaven, as we pray, sometimes it can feel like we're throwing an abstract wish list in the air. God do this, God do that, God do this, God do that. Hoping it hits a target, gets heard. Now that's not intercessory prayer. It's not a heavy duty that God puts on us. Oh, you better intercede enough or I won't 
do anything. He doesn't want us to be weighted down. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. We're not plugging ourselves into a power source or like a genie type thing where if we rub it the right way or say the right things or get the plug just right, we can pop in what we say and we'll pop out what we want. We're children coming to our Father in heaven, enjoying him. And in another metaphor, we're a friend coming to another friend saying, help me. I have a friend that needs this. Will you give to me what I need? So when we intercede, we're spending time with our Father who welcomes us through Jesus, just like Jesus welcomed the little children to come to him, and he enjoys spending the time with us. And you might notice I'm being a bit repetitive as I start this talk, but I can't emphasize this enough. Because I believe if we all knew and trusted our Father's love, and we saw his love for the world, and we understood the power he's given us in prayer to work with him in the world, nothing could keep us from interceding regularly. And yet it's a struggle for most Christians to practice interceding, intercessory prayer. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they shattered intimacy with our Heavenly Father. And Jesus has come to restore that intimacy And yet, it's hard for us to grab onto it. Because of our brokenness, we're still very independent. And there's still a lot we struggle to trust when it comes to our Heavenly Father's good intentions. So it's okay when you're beginning prayer to come strictly out of discipline. You might not feel like praying. That's okay. Because as we intentionally spend the time with our Father, we'll grow in that intimacy and trust and especially in trust of his love. It starts with love. It's his love flowing through us in prayer. And then as we get to know him better, that desire to spend more time with him grows, and the intercession grows, and it's this beautiful cycle up of worship and mission. And with intimacy, I think sometimes when I go to pray, um, it's easy to just throw out a whole bunch of needs. I'll sit down. I had this the other morning. In my quiet time, I'd had a lot of things on my heart, and I woke up late, so I knew my time was short. And so I sat down and started reading scripture, but then right away, oh, God, um, this situation, and God, I really need help for that, and God, this, oh, this over here, and I just started pouring out all this stuff. And I feel like it's when Dave comes home from work, and if he walks in the door and I say, Dave, did we figure out what we're having for dinner, and this happened with the kids, and did you make that phone call, and did we ever schedule that doctor's appointment? And he used to stop me and say, hey, good to see you. Give each other a kiss. And it's that way with God. We can come pouring out our stuff. And that morning, God just stopped me. And it was actually as if he gave me a kiss on the forehead and said, good morning. Good morning, God. That's right. Let me, let's have relationship. And then we can pray. Well, it's, relationship is part of the intercession. So some things that can help us get a posture of that intimacy with God as we begin prayer is worship. Maybe put on some music, sing, dance, kneel, read a psalm or other scriptures of praise. If you have a prayer language, which we'll talk about more in future weeks, which is a gift of the Spirit, you can pray your prayer language to help with focus and receiving from the Holy Spirit. Spend time in Thanksgiving. One of the things that Dave passed out is a bookmark of our identity in Christ. Read over it. Be reminded of who we are in Christ and thank God for some of the things on that list as you read over it. Thank him for things that we've seen him, you've seen him do the day before. 
And just simply be still. And just spend time saying, God, I've come to spend time with you right now. Be still. And ask the Lord to direct the time of prayer. And this is personally, not just personal quiet time, but also especially when we come to a group. We come from busy situations. And when you come together for prayer, you have all kinds of things on your mind. And sometimes you can be very heavy and distracted coming to prayer. Just make a list. Jot them down before him, whether personal or in the group, and give them to God, whether symbolically or hand over these concerns to God. Ask God to help with focus. I think sometimes it seems ridiculous, so we don't do it, that we as creatures would say, God of the universe, help me to pay attention to you and what you want. Yet God knows that we're weak. He knows our struggles. He's patient. He's tender. It's okay to ask him to help us focus on him. Pray on the armor of God. The enemy doesn't want us to pray. He knows the power of prayer even when we don't. So he will be attacking, shooting arrows. So say, God, protect me as I pray. And give me the helmet of truth and the breastplate of salvation. I might mix up the order of those metaphors. But pray on the armor of God. Because you are, when you go to pray, engaging in a battle. And because of that, also if you're meeting for a group, pay attention if before you're going to go to a prayer meeting you just start feeling lousy, you're just not up for going, this situation happens. Pay attention to those things and pray for each other as the group that the Lord will bring you together so that you can engage in intercession. A common piece of intercession, whether personal or in a group, is confession. That's point three if you're following the outline. There was a group that would meet regularly at Gold on Friday afternoons for prayer and praying in God's vision for the church. And one thing they would do every time before they'd start to pray is ask, is there anything between us that would separate us from each other and hinder our unity as we pray? When you go to pray, God, is there anything between me and you that's going to hinder our unity that we need to take care of before I pray? Anything between maybe not people I'm praying with, but other brothers and sisters that's going to hinder the unity in the body as I join my heart with you and pray. Ask the Lord to search your heart and listen. And it's okay to tell God if you're upset with him. Sometimes when I go to pray for things, um, there is one situation, a healing situation, where I've been praying and praying and praying and it seems good to me and it seems right that God would heal and I know God loves to heal. I see it in his word and yet I don't see something day after day after day after day of the same prayer. And there's sometimes where I come to prayer when I go to ask for other things, that issue is nagging at me. Well, confess it. God, I'm feeling hurt and disappointed that I'm not seeing you work here. And every time I bring that to him, he meets me and he brings comfort. He doesn't tell me why he isn't answering that prayer. But our relationship is restored so that as I enter into prayer, there's not a barrier between us. Another example just of the import of confession and is I've had it before in a worship service while I was in the midst of interceding for the service where someone came in and someone not a part of the congregation, so don't start to think of who, but I didn't want to see that person that day. I was actually pretty irked that they were there. I thought they were just going to distract and cause trouble. And so I prayed that God would have them leave, which I'll get to later. We don't control people's wills in prayer. 
But right after I prayed that, I was convicted in the midst of intercession of, I love him. And that's not my prayer for him to go away. And so, oh, yeah, God, I've been pretty condemning. Forgive me for having a heart of condemnation and a spirit of judgment. Show me what you'd have for this man that came today. And God gave this beautiful image of him just holding this limp body in the father's arms. And I just thought, wow, this guy is really dead spiritually. And the Lord is holding him and bringing him here for healing. And this leads into the next intercession is God directed. As I was interceding and praying that prayer that I shouldn't have been praying, God is directing prayer. Romans 8:26 tells us the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Now saying that prayer is God directed does not mean don't go to pray until God says go pray. You're hearing now that the Lord's calling us to pray. Um, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. At the same time, as we pray, we invite the Lord's direction. When you're praying personally or as a group, ask God to protect you from any voice besides his. Ask the Lord to keep you discerning and then practice discernment as you're listening. I've had it many times where I'm in the middle of praying and something comes that's not consistent with the character of God. And so I, I don't always know why something I've already prayed for protection can come in that's not con- from the Lord, but it happens. And so as you discern, you can say, God, I know that wasn't from you. Protect me. Help me to hear only your voice as I pray. We need to die to our own expectations and agenda, even our agenda for experience. There's times where we pray with a group or on our own and we're interceding and it feels awesome. You can feel God's power and it's amazing. And there's other times where it feels like you're just saying a bunch of words and you're not feeling much of anything. God's still at work. And trust that and let him be in charge of what he's doing in the time of prayer. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the desire to pray in the first place. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches us how to pray, so you can ask God, God, what do you want me to pray for? How do you want me to pray for this situation? The Holy Spirit will give gifts that will direct our prayer times, especially when we're praying as a group, and I'll say more about that later. The Holy Spirit is praying in us while we pray. So even if we don't know and there feels silence, as we're in our Father's presence, the Holy Spirit is at work in ways that we often don't see. And it's hard for us to recognize that we can trust that as we're spending time with our Father, the Holy Spirit's there and working. He enables us to pray according to his will and agenda as we submit to him in that will. And he'll show us more and more of his will through scripture, through the understanding of his character, and through gifts of the Spirit. And an example of God directing prayer was... um, I don't think this example fits this, so I'm going to share this story anyway. Um, God, in interceding, you can intercede intentionally like a set point of time, and then as you intercede more, God will just lay things on your heart. Like doing dishes, and this person comes to mind, pray for them. And one of the ways that God directed me in prayer one time, he's done it more than once, but through dreams. And so I had this dream of a colleague who I hadn't worked with for a number of years, 
and the dream is we're at this ministry conference, and it's super busy, and I'm working with him, but I can see outside the window, and I can see two of his kids, and one of them is just playing and doing their thing, and the other one, his daughter, I didn't even know at the time if he had a daughter because I didn't work with him for so long, but she was seething with anger. And I, I just was in my dream interacting and watching this, and I woke up, it stuck with me. Uh, so I asked God, was this from you? Do you want me to do anything with it? Dave and I discerned um, to pray for him. And so I spent time in prayer, but we also discerned to share the dream with him. And so I sent him an email saying, you haven't heard from me from a long time, and I just want to pass on for your discernment. I had this dream, and I've been praying for you. Does it resonate with you at all? And he wrote back and said, I have had a crazy busy ministry schedule lately, and he's always busy, but busier than normal. And when you sent me that email, I really took it to heart, and I believe the Lord was speaking through it because my daughter was struggling, and I wasn't aware of how much she was struggling. And so he took time off of work so that he could reconcile this relationship with his daughter. So the Lord will guide us as we ask the Lord to guide us. So when you get things, say, God, what do you have this why did I have this picture some pictures a lot of pictures I get aren't to share with the person it's to pray to just pray into it pray into it pray into it and by that I just mean you keep praying about the image I have this image or this situation so when you get a weekly email list from the church of things to pray for rather than just right away laying it out in a quiet time when you meet with a group saying, okay, God, do this, do that, please do this, please give protection there. Well, the first thing says protection for the pastors and their families. God, how would you like me like to have us pray for protection? Our Lord, we need volunteers for children's ministries. God, lead us as we pray for these volunteers. What do you want as we ask for these volunteers? What are you doing in children's ministry? And that way you can join and cooperate as you take on God's agenda for the prayer time. Mary Sampson, a woman who's written about intercessory prayer, describes it as a creative process orchestrated by the Holy Spirit in which God shows us the kingdom purposes he wants us to pray for. And as we follow his lead and pray into the concerns of his heart, we birth or call forth on earth those very purposes through our prayers. So he's doing something that he's calling us into. It's not originating with our own good ideas and intentions. He's doing it. And because of that, point number five, intercession involves listening and waiting. Marianne, one of the women who I borrowed notes from in this talk, says that she thinks it's been one of the hardest lessons for her to learn. It's so easy to begin a prayer time with worship and thanksgiving, to confess sin as God leads, and then to plunge ahead into prayer, telling God what we want him to do. It has been far harder to consistently ask for his direction and then wait until he gives it. Our gracious God is more than willing to hear our concerns, but he loves it when we let him lead us into effective and strategic intercession. Well, if we're going to listen and wait, we need to be aware of how God speaks. He'll speak in different ways and give different gifts, especially when we're praying in a group, and that's the gift of praying as a group. 
as we pray. And just to have some of you share, what are some of the ways that you've experienced God speaking to you? Reading his word, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yes, kind of gut conviction that you get. Sometimes um, words of knowledge will come to someone, just a phrase that maybe seems to fit, maybe not. Hmm, yeah, thoughts to do something counterintuitive. Yes. Actually, an example of uh, not the body pains, but the emotional side of that. Yesterday, we went for a family walk, and I was a wreck. I just was crying and crying and very, very sad. And I could name maybe some reasons while I was feeling it, but just overwhelmed. And this morning when I got here and I saw Gina was preaching on lament, I went, oh, it would have really been helpful if yesterday had stopped and said, God, what's going on? Because I was wrestling and thinking, but not, I think the Lord was possibly calling me into prayer at that time. And he was using emotions to call into prayer. So yeah, body pains and emotions. Images is another way he'll speak. So similar to tales, the counterintuitive thought that we get this thing like, that wasn't me. (laughs) And then as we listen, expecting that God is going to speak and lead, we need to always practice discernment. That's why I passed out the bookmark. If in case you don't have one, you can stick it in your Bible. And the four principles of discernment are, and I'll let you guys say them out because I think there's enough people in this group that know them. Consistent with Scripture. Does it give glory to Jesus Christ? Yes. And consistent with Scripture and also the characters and intentions of God. And what were you going to say, Nancy? Yes, confirming witness. And fruit. And sometimes that one we don't see until the future, but it's helpful as you pay attention to that piece that will guide you in future listening. Because as you see things that bore fruit, and you look back and can celebrate, yes, that was the Lord. And as you're discerning going forward, you kind of have a history of seeing where fruit's been born. He is looking over us. Amen. And when we gather together as a group for intercession, this is point six, it's, I came up with yeah, the phrase, synergetic con- conversation, not popcorn. And we have that phrase, popcorn prayer, where we gather together and everyone leads out. That's not a bad phrase, but sometimes it can really feel like popcorn or a board meeting out of control, where someone says, um, God, I'm praying for this need, you know, surgery this week, and someone else saying, and I'm going to pray for the you know, 
hurricanes, and I'm going to pray for this, and I'm going to pray for that. And we're kind of bouncing around like these kernels that are popping, and then they just sit there. Well, intercessory prayer, as we're really listening to God and discerning together, is conversational, and there's this synergy that develops where you pray about something, and it's more like a board meeting where the chair brings up a topic, and then you can discuss it, and the board chair is giving input on it, and the rest of the group is giving input on it as they're sensing the Lord move and bringing requests, and it can build and grow. And then you hit a point where, okay, on this, it's time to table it or make a decision. And tabling it might be we're going to move on to something else and pray about continue praying about this later, or it's um, we sense that God has said this is something he's doing when you move into some Thanksgiving, or maybe it's um, this is where God has us now, table it to continue praying on a future week. But where two or three are gathered, Jesus says, there I am with them. God rejoices to have us pray together. So he works through us when we're interceding on our own, and he calls us into solitary intercession at times, and yet I think there's, I don't think, I believe there is a spiritual power when God's people are together in unity before our Heavenly Father. So whenever you can, pray in groups. Gather people together, husband and wife, roommates. If you're here for a meeting for something, maybe spend five, ten minutes interceding for the needs of the church before you start other business. And then as we pray, what can we ask for and how do we ask? And mainly this is how do we ask. We ask boldly, like that friend coming to another friend on behalf of his friend at night. You know, give me some bread. It's okay that it's the middle of the night. This is what I need. And I don't think we can ask for too much. And if we are being too selfish or we're way off in our discernment that this is something the Lord's calling us to pray for, God will lead us and he'll shape us. But bring it and be bold. Because of the man's boldness, he will give him as much as he needs. Ask specifically. Uh, Andrew Murray has written that sometimes praying for things is going out into the woods to shoot turkeys and just shooting bullets out in the woods and thinking, I probably caught some, got some turkeys today. Well, you don't really know because you've just been shooting random bullets out there. But if you look at that turkey and you aim and you shoot and it falls down, you know you got that one. And if you look at another one and you aim and shoot and it miss, doesn't fall down, okay, well, I need to aim and shoot again at that one. But if you're specific, you can know whether or not God's answering your prayers. Being specific stretches our faith. Often when we're asking God what to pray for and we're seeking to be specific, you'll realize the prayer request goes to a height that, ah, God, that seems ridiculous or impossible, but we feel like you're leading us to pray that way. So we'll trust you and we'll step into it. And it brings glory to God as he specifically answers our prayers. Ask persistently. There is a spiritual battle going on through our prayers, especially prayers of intercession. There's that passage in Daniel where Daniel's been um, praying and, you know, God, the angel comes to him and says, I was kept back by these powers in Persia. I couldn't come. When our prayers aren't being answered, there's numerous reasons why they might not be answered. But if it's according to God's spirit and according to God's word and the character of God, keep Asking and don't give up. 
because each prayer is an attack and another attack and another attack and a battle, you know, uh, yeah, a battle usually isn't won with just one shot. You have to keep going at it. Often we'll pray for something for a little while, but we don't see results. And so we just stop. But keep praying. And if you're having trouble, even ask God, stir my heart. I'm feeling like you're not caring about this. I'm not seeing an answer. I'm ready to give up. Help me. You can ask him and he will. Many of you here are the fruit of persistent prayers where those who prayed them didn't see them answered. Highland Hills, the part of the planning church for Gold Avenue, I some of the older people in that congregation who have now died and are with the Lord, to hear them talk about their hopes and dreams and prayers for Gold Avenue, it's beautiful. And they have prayed for this place for years, that God would work, that God would move, that God would bring revival, that God would heal. They had been praying, and some of them died, and they didn't get to see much of the fruit. But they were persistent in those prayers, and God is bearing fruit through their prayers, even though they haven't gotten to see maybe as much as they had hoped for at the time when they died. And we pray in accordance with the character of God. I mentioned that God doesn't force uh, um, people to do anything. He values our free will. He's given that as a gift that images him. So we pray, don't say, God, make them do this. I think it's easy to do. It's common to do. God, make that person come to church on Sunday. God, make this. God won't do that. Now, we could ask God, will you please open their eyes to see the sin in their life? God, would you please send someone to do this? God, would you protect them from things that might block them from coming? But not God, make a person do anything. And when we pray, we ask in faith. I love the father of the child with an evil spirit who comes to Jesus asking for healing and he says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Jesus, after he commands the fig tree, Dave referenced this passage in the service, um, he says, fig tree may you never bear fruit again. The disciples are like, wow, what was up with that? And he tells them, truly, I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, but you can say to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. One of the ways that our family has been built up in faith is to read missionary biographies. And you can either get books or you can look on. There's lots of stuff online, things you can listen to. I love the story of George Mueller. He did, um, when was he, Dave, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, ran orphanages for children in England, truly faith-based. But there's a story of one day when they're sitting down for breakfast. He's out of money, no food. He senses, have the kids sit down anyway. So he does. God will provide. Gets a knock on the door. There's a baker. You know, I woke up in the wee hours of the morning this morning with your orphanage on my heart, and I felt like I needed to bake bread. So I have a bunch of bread for you this morning. I don't know if you can use it or not, but here it is. So he feeds the kids bread. Another knock on the door. It's the milkman. My cart just broke down in front of your orphanage, and all this milk is going to spoil if I don't get rid of it. So can you take it, empty out my cart, so I can go get my cart filled? 
God provided breakfast for those kids. And his story is filled with testimony after testimony of God's provision. And his is one of thousands. God answers prayer. And when we hear of God answering prayers, our faith is built up. Share with each other when you hear of prayers, when you experience prayers being answered. That will help build the faith of the community. And praying with faith isn't mustering, God, I need to believe that you'll do this. If I try hard enough, I'll just believe that you can do this. Our faith isn't in what God's going to do. Our faith is in our Father in heaven and our relationship with him and his goodness and his love. So we're like the Phoenician woman clinging to the robes of Jesus. Will you heal my son, Jesus? And we cling to Jesus as we pray. And then Jesus moves. And if it seems like as you're persistently praying something that you're not getting it, don't just say, oh, I guess it's not God's will. It's not, it doesn't hurt to ask, God, I've been praying for this over and over again. Is this your will? But don't just stop and it's just not God's will. Press in. As the words in the Chronicles of Narnia, further on and further in, this is Aslan when they're running through. I don't know if you know the Chronicles, but with God, further on and further in. So that as we ask him, he'll show us and he'll answer. He is a good God and he's leading us. And nothing that we pray for is too big or too small. It's not an example of a big kingdom need, but yet a beautiful example of God's tenderness and care. Shortly after the twins were born, I just didn't have time to go out shopping for anything. And anything I'd put on just looked ugly and frumpy was the word I use with Dave all the time. And one morning, in, I just, God, would you please provide some shirts that I can wear and not feel blah every time I go out? And I didn't, even as I prayed it, totally expect it wasn't this great, beautiful, I'm talking about intimacy, asking, listening, but asking the Lord. And even that, he provided. It wasn't too small or insignificant for him to care about shirts. Suddenly, my mother-in-law, every time I'd see her, would be, hey, Anna, I have these extra clothes that don't fit me. Do you want some of them? And then my aunt out in Arizona started randomly sending these packages of clothing that she'd buy for me. It's out of the blue. I didn't say anything to her about needing clothes. And God used that just to show I care about you. I care about these little things. I care about you and feeling frumpy on Sundays and wherever else you are. And so ask him. Bring it to God. And he delights in showing us that he's there and that he's meeting our needs. And intercession is an ongoing process. We had had a season in the church, it was referenced this morning during the service, of praying for revival. And it wasn't meant to stop after that season of meeting intentionally on Thursdays to pray for revival. It's ongoing prayer. That season was a part of the journey, but the journey is continuing It's not, oh, okay, we prayed for it. Now we're done with that. What else, God? God, we prayed for that. We haven't seen it yet. What are you doing in this stage, this season, as you're bringing about the revival that you called us to pray for back there? Like a growing child, the need will mature. It will change. It's not the same at every stage. We don't pray the same way at every stage. God's doing different things. 
sometimes it seems like it takes a step or two backward, and you're like, what's going on? Well, keep praying. If you haven't seen fulfillment, and you haven't had a clear sense of, no, this isn't God's will, no, keep praying and asking God to fulfill what you felt led to pray into in the first place. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. God's pro- Jesus promises specifically of asking and asking and asking are throughout the New Testament. He didn't just say it once. He said it multiple times. And I feel like often in prayer, our experience seems to contradict that, yes, God will answer our prayers. And we let our experience trump God's word. If your experience isn't meeting up with God's answers to prayer, seek God in that. God, you promised. Hold him to it, and he will lead you. He will never let your prayers drop to the ground unanswered. He cares about us too much for that. As Gloria said, he's got us, right? Is that how he cares about us? Yes. One thing that helps me and I've heard has helped others is keep a prayer journal as you're asking. We are forgetful people, and so often we can just, oh, nothing's happening. If you have a journal where you've written down dates and what was prayed for and bits of answer and another date and what was prayed for and bits of answer, you go back through that journal and your jaw will drop. But when we don't write it down, we just get so easily discouraged. We just forget. We forget that God did this. And we forget that God did that. And we, for, we forget that we had been asking for this thing that happened here. I've had it many times. I go back and read and I go, whoa, I forgot I even prayed about that. I saw it happen here, but I didn't know it was a part of something we had, I prayed for when it happened. And then when you have that journal, you can go back and give glory to God for the ways that he's answered. Each of you is at gold this morning, not accidentally, as was prayed for during congregational prayer, I think it was. It was mentioned in the service, but for a purpose. God has reason and purpose for each one of you being here. And I ask each of you this morning to please commit to prayer for the church. We desire to see the love of God pour through us into the church, into the community, and out into the world. God's river of love is flowing, and when we don't pray, when you don't pray, it's almost as if you jump aside from it, because the prayer is the way that God is moving and bringing his love and healing, and he wants to work through each one of us in doing it. So don't pull yourself out of the river, but get deeper in and join us in prayer. It's my prayer that each of us here today, if you haven't been praying regularly for the church, will commit to praying 20 minutes a day for the church. For some, that's a huge time commitment. For some, it's pretty minuscule. You'll be receiving weekly emails. And do those emails need to be signed up for, Dave or Gina? Or will they just go out to the whole congregation signed up for? So you can sign up to receive. This is part of the prayer shield that we were talking about. But it's also join in praying in the vision for the church. Um, You can receive the emails, and then when you get the emails, commit to praying, whether individually, preferably, as I've said, in groups. It can be hard to get started if you don't practice regularly. 
don't feel foolish or silly to set a timer and sit down and then begin with worship and ask the Lord how he wants to lead you in prayer. Get an accountability partner, someone that can text you or call you and say, hey, we committed to praying at such and such a time. I'm starting now. Are you going to join me? Maybe you want to meet and pray over the phone if you can't be in person with someone and have a phone conversation as you pray together. Accountability helps. Unity is beautiful. The synergy of praying with someone else, just as I've said, God uses that. I think it's fitting that uh, Lindsay is in labor today because God is birthing a great work in this congregation, through this congregation. And he's called each of us to be a part of it. But it's not going to happen without prayer. And all of us could simply let the ball drop at this point if we just said, oh, for whatever reason, prayer is easy to talk about, but our enemy will push every one of our buttons to keep us from praying, whether it be distraction or just independence or apathy or I feel unworthy I just or guilt. I don't pray enough. If ever you feel guilty for not, maybe you leave this talk, say, okay, I'm going to commit to prayer and then few days go by and you haven't prayed and yeah it's just every time you feel guilt about intercession flip it around right there in that moment god what would you like me to pray for right now and you can take a minute doesn't matter even if you're driving doing dishes even in a meeting you could zone out listen to the lord and then clue back in the more you do it the more your heart will open up to your heavenly father the more you will be sharing in his will and purposes, and then the more you're going to want to do it. And I wanted to end this time spending time praying together. However, I think for time's sake, I want to honor that. Um, But I invite you to come back next week. I hope that's okay, Gina. After the service, same, right, we're doing the potluck at night, so I think this would work after the service. Same time, same thing, and we'll just split up into groups and practice interceding together, and that way we don't have a rush five to ten minutes, but we can spend a nice 30 to 40 minutes praying, doing what we just talked about this morning. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. So thank you for coming this morning. And just to finish, I will say a prayer for us before we go. Um, Father, I thank you that you've gathered us together and that you've kept us alert in the heat and after a long morning. Father, I ask that you will stir up prayer in the congregation. I ask for each person here that you will grow them in intimacy, that even today, for each person here, that you will speak, I love you, in ways that their heart hasn't been able to hear it before, and that you will call them into greater intimacy with you, that you will call us all into greater love and intimacy with one another, and that as we join you in praying for your purposes in this church, in the community, and in the world, we invite you, Father, and we ask you, Father, to pour out your Holy Spirit in us, through us, that you will raise up an army of intercession and that we will see physically this river of love that we have been praying for and praying in the spiritual world. Encourage each of us today. I pray protection as for each person as they drive home. 
Thank you for this time. We love you, Lord. Amen.